Good morning. It's good to see each one of you here this morning, gathered together to worship God. Trust give Him His rightful place in our hearts and our lives. So God bless each one of you. Trust we have our cups turned up. I have my cup turned up. And trust that God will inspire us, motivate us. I think most of you by now know that when it's my turn to share, I'm not very much of a doctrinal type of preacher uh, sharing. I'm more one of those kind of people, whether it's an okay thing or not an okay thing in your mind or a good thing or a bad thing. I'm one of those people that tend to share more from my heart than by, um, I'll let you describe the other way, Earl. Um, anyhow, I'm that kind of a person, and, and today is a little bit more one of those. When Earl and I was discussing who was going to share, I said, well, I, I think I'll be okay with sharing if it can be a Brian Nolt style uh, message, and he, uh, I guess, chose that that would be an okay thing. So here we are this morning. Uh, the title that I'm going to give it this morning is pretty simple. It's Lessons from the Life of Abraham. And trust that we can be inspired by that. And that simply comes from the overflow of my heart. That is where I have had my thoughts and my studies, my meditation going in my personal time uh, recently, just uh, considering various elements of his life and being blessed by his faith. Now, I was out, didn't catch much at all of the children's lesson. I came back in just in time to see, I would suppose it's the lesson reach its climax where he uh, uh, was giving somewhat of a faith lesson. And so I trust what I have to share this morning will possibly fall right in sync with that. So I don't know where you find yourself at this morning. Uh, I am very thankful, very grateful for the opportunity and the tremendous claims of the gospel where we come to a a place of our faith, finding that resting place in Christ, recognizing what Christ has done for us. And it's all about Christ. It's all about so great a salvation and all that that encompasses. And we heard a bit about it this morning, the tremendous light, the light that is uh, for the hearts of man and the, the claims of the gospel and offering that to souls. And I trust that's what our life is all about, because that's why Jesus left us here. And that's the gospel. And uh, it's also a faith. That's the saving faith. It's also a living faith. A faith lived out day to day. And that's more what we'd like to focus on this morning. Why don't we just take a moment to bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love today. Thank you for life in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you still redeem souls. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for each uh, each person in this room and where we find ourselves in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless and inspire and encourage us this morning as we consider some lessons and some of those things that I trust will inspire us from the life of Abraham. Father, I pray that you would bless our time here together. Help me to say the things that you would have me to say. Father, I look to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how, it, how and what it teaches us today. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, like I said, I trust this can be an uh, encouragement to us this morning. And I'm just going to say it this way. Just a brief summary of his life would maybe go something like this. The life of Abraham. God called him and gave him a promise. He believed and he obeyed. He doubted. He thought he had it figured out. He took situations into his own hands. And it was a failure. Finally received the promised child only to have God ask him to do what seemed the most drastic thing by offering, up, offering him up. Do any of your lives sometimes feel just a little bit like that? Do they feel just a little bit like that? Some testings and some trials, and you know, more and more I'm beginning to believe that depending on how we look at the Christian life, 
Sometimes it trips us up a bit. First uh, Peter four twelve and thirteen says, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of the sufferings of Christ, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy." A brother just shared with me several weeks ago. A brother that had some difficult experience in his life, and I just began asking him a few questions about that because I knew at one time that things really seemed to be going well for this brother, and then he hit a real slump in his life, and things weren't going so well, and I just began sharing with him, and he was the one that brought it to my attention. You know, sometimes we get the wrong idea about suffering, and I know from time to time we talk about that, and I even mention it. But, you know, Sometimes that just simply seems to be our experience in life. And in those kind of times, sometimes we just need a bit of encouragement to keep us going. And I trust this morning as we look at the life of Abraham, we can get some encouragement regardless of where we find ourselves in life. And I'm guessing if we would open up our hearts this morning and just really share from our true heart experience where we were at, we would probably be a bit surprised where some of us find ourselves. It's hard to do that. That's why it's good to have people that journey close with us that we can actually do that. And we have to always remember that God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We can come to God with anything. But we also realize that there are times in life and sometimes we find ourselves in life where things are going well and things are going good. And then sometimes we find ourselves in life where things are just a bit difficult and we by faith have to choose to continue to move ahead and do what is right irregardless of our feelings. And we're going to see that work itself out in Abraham's life. And just to illustrate that a bit, I was thinking about that this morning and thinking about a little bit of an illustration example of what I'm really talking about. And remember, it was a number of years ago, I see Jared filled my water cup really full. Um, <clears throat> it was a couple of years ago, late one night, I was in the mountains of western Pennsylvania and I experienced a time like I never did before. I was I was I was uh, on west of Breezewood on Route 30 up in the mountains, and it was it was it was the worst time I ever had driving. There was no other traffic around me, and it was a night. I think it might have been freezing rain, and there was a lot of snow up in the mountains, and it was dense fog. It was dense fog, and it was a time that I remember I was on a fairly big road. There was no other traffic around me, and I remember I was going that slow. I was crawling. And some of the time I had my head out the wind, side window just to try to make sure I was, I, was, I was staying on the road. I mean, it was just really bad. And I was extremely, extremely tired. But duty demands and you keep going anyway. And maybe a bit of an unusual example, but sometimes that's where we find ourselves in life. And the right thing to do is to move ahead in faith, even though we don't know the outcome. And we're going to see that, I think, worked itself out in a lot of ways here in the life of Abraham. Let's just look before we look at uh, Genesis. Let's go to James chapter 2 just for a little bit of a a verse here to get our thinking going Uh, in James chapter 2. It's a little bit difficult for me to know what to do, what time will permit or not to uh, permit here as we look at the life of Abraham. But we know that genuine faith produces works. Uh, James chapter 2 Uh, Verse 21, I'm going to begin reading just a few verses. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. This is talking about a genuine faith here that produces works. And maybe just to give you a little bit of rundown, some of the things that we'll see as we look at Abraham's life. His faith, I believe, produced obedience. At all cost. Maybe I'm giving you the answers before I really look at Abraham's life. Maybe that's the backward way of doing it. I don't know. But Abraham's faith produced obedience at all cost. Abraham's faith produced a surrender to the most utmost extreme. His faith produced the ability to go forward despite unbelief or wavering faith. And what I'm actually referring to, and I'd like to look at a little bit as we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham, even though I think he was an outstanding man and we know him as a a man of faith, I think it also ought to inspire our hearts that Abraham's life was not perfect. Abraham's life was not perfect. And there's sometimes, because of even personal failure in our own lives, or times of wavering faith, we can actually allow it to trip us up rather than to get a hold of God again and to keep going. And to Noah, 
Even Abraham, the man of outstanding faith, had those times in his life. But he was actually able to still receive the son of promise and to move ahead. Despite those times uh, we could call wavering faith or even unbelief or taking the situation into our own hands. I'm sure many of us here could testify at times where we, we messed up. We, we, we did not act in faith and we took things in our own hand. And I know we have to be careful with the idea of we have to sometimes forgive ourselves. But you know what I mean when I say that? There are times we actually have to put the past in the past and realize we made some serious mistakes or errors, but continue to move on in faith. We have those times. He did that. He's an example. His faith, he's an example of the fear of God. He moved in the fear of God and he believed in God's unseen provisions. So we want to look at some of the characteristics that uh, and attributes uh, that characterize the life of Abraham. Now we can go back to the book of Genesis. And I want to look first of all, as we consider Abraham here and we consider his life, we're just going to read a, the beginning. Abraham comes on the scene here in the Bible in, in chapter 11. We're not going to read anything there. But we're going to begin here in chapter 12 and verses 1 through 4 and just look a little bit at what God was asking of Abraham. It says, And now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So here we have God coming to Abraham and telling him that he wants him to be a blessing. He gives them all those promises and he tells that them to Abraham. And then in verse four, we have his response. It says, and so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. You don't have to turn to it, but I'm going to read just several verses here in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse eight says that by faith, when he was called to go out of a place which he should afterward receive for inheritance, he obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. You know, God gave him these initial instructions, what he wanted to do, and he promised them a blessing. But here we see clearly, and it depicts it even more clearly in Hebrews 11, that he called him to go out to a place which he would, should receive for inheritance. He obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. You know, that is the life of faith. And you know, in a lot of ways, this passage here characterizes the beginning of our Christian life. Are we willing? And I, I, I uh, recall uh, in my early years of my Christian life, there was a brother who walked very closely with me. And I don't know if I ever used this example or not, but he really put the challenge to him at the beginning of my Christian life. He said, it's like a blank sheet of paper. And God gives you a blank sheet of paper and doesn't write anything on this paper or what your life is going to consist of. Are you willing to sign it? Are you willing to sign a blank sheet of paper? And after you sign this sheet of paper, let God fill in the blanks. And in a lot, of, a lot of ways, that is what God was asking of Abraham. He promised him a blessing. He promised him some, gave him some tremendous promises here. And it called him to leave and to go out into a strange country. Even though he didn't know where he was going, he cast his faith and his lot with Christ. We saw such a beautiful example of this up here this morning. What faith really is. And that's what God is asking of us. I'm losing my apparatus. That's what God is asking of us this morning. It says, By faith he sojourned in the promised land as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, sometimes in our journey of faith, we feel a bit like maybe we're living in a strange country, do we not? And that's okay because we're not home yet. It's part of our journey of faith that God calls us to. It's part of this journey of faith. 
I'd like to just look at several New Testament scriptures that support this whole idea. And I know they're familiar scriptures to us. But you know, it's good for us to be reminded sometimes of what God calls his children to when we cast our lot with Jesus Christ. He never promised an easy road. He never did, but he always promised to be there. And I believe he'll pick us up and get us going again when we choose to do right. When we choose to do right. You don't necessarily need to turn to I'm going to turn here rather rapidly. Just look at a few of them. Luke 9, 23 through 26. I know it's very familiar, but it reminds us of the call that God places on his children when they begin this journey of faith. He said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will lose his life, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Does it not sound to you like that's what God was asking Abraham to do when he asked him to move out of all his familiarity, move out into a strange country? And that's what God asks of us. That's what God asks of us today. Are we willing to really cast our lot with Jesus Christ and say, Lord, here I am. Use me in whatever way you see fit. If the church chooses to send me wherever, I'm willing to let go of everything I have and go. Are we willing to have that kind of a commitment with Christ? For what is a man's advantage if he gains the whole world or loses himself or himself be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory with his Father and of his holy angels. And then Matthew 10. Here again, you don't necessarily need to turn there. I'm going to read it rather rapidly. 10.34. I know they're familiar, but I'm just going to read them here. Think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. I'm not come to send peace, but a sword. And I know we have to be careful how we take these words into context. You know, God does bring us peace. But, you know, sometimes our life seems to be more turned upside down than right side up. And that's okay. We continue walking by faith despite that. It says here he doesn't necessarily come to send peace, but a sword. I'm not come to send a man, for I am come. And these are amazing words. I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes shall they be of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not, and he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Abraham was willing to lose everything he had for the call that God placed on his life and move out in faith. Is that where you and I are at this morning? Is that our response? Have you started your journey of faith? Have you signed that black, that, that white sheet of paper contract and let God fill in whatever he does? Well, Abraham moved out and he left all that was familiar to him and went into a land that he didn't necessarily know. God didn't give him a lot of details, but he didn't go far into this country and he began building altars and worshiping God. Worship and prayer. You know, sometimes when we enter into that land, into that unknown, sometimes the best thing we can do is worship and pray and trust God when things don't be seem to be going very well. Well, that's what Abraham did. Uh, I'd just like to notice uh, a number of things here in the life of Abraham. Uh, we're eventually going to get, uh, before too long here, to chapter 22, and that's where we want to spend most of our time. But I'd just like to depict a few other things that were a blessing to me as I look at the life of Abraham before we get to chapter 22. One of them is here, and we see it in Genesis 13. You can turn there. And that is... Uh, Abraham, I believe, lived a very unselfish life. And there's an interesting reality that happens here. Maybe I'll read it first and then just make a few uh, comments. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, 1 through 7, I'm going to read. It says, And Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai unto the place of the altar which he had made at the first, where Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot also went with Abraham, Lot also, which, had, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. 
And the land was not able to bear them because that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perzite dwelt in the land. You know, there's an interesting dynamic that often happens to God's people. And this is just a side note. That's all this is. But there's an interesting dynamic that often happens with God's people when they live according to God's principles and they live godly lives, what often happens? Prosperity and riches increase. And, you know, a lot of ways, I think that was the case here. They, their, their riches and their wealth increased. And what was the next thing, next thing that happened? Strife. Strife. You ever wonder if there's a comparison there? I think that's why it's so important that God's people are zealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ so we know what to do with our money. That's all that is as a side note. That's all that is as a side note. But I just found that interesting as I was studying the life of Abraham and just musing over it and considering different dynamics. And I believe it's right to live godly lives and I don't think we should somehow make some sort of poverty vows like I heard there was groups already that have done. I don't think that's God's will. But I think it is God's will that we know what to do with our wealth. And here we have the situation where riches increased and there began to be strife. Well, Abraham gives such a godly example here in verse 8 that I think is noteworthy. And Abraham says to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, or between thy herdmen and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we are brethren. Is not the whole world before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right, then I will go to the left. And we know the story. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the well-watered lands of Jordan. And I'm not going to focus much on the life of Lot. We know what happened to Lot. But I think it's such a godly example here. Is that the kind of heart that you and I have as it relates to strife? That we take the low road and let our brother have the advantage. It's just a beautiful example that I thought was noteworthy in studying the life of Abraham here. He gives us a beautiful example. So wealth does increase, sir. We have difficulties in church life. He has such an unselfish attitude here. And I think it's noteworthy. And I say, God, give us a heart like that. Give us a heart like that when there is difficulty and there is misunderstandings. You know that we can sit down and we can work things out and be willing to take the road load and let my brother have the advantage. It's just a beautiful example here of Abraham. Well, there's another account here that I would like to look at just a bit. Also, that I think is noteworthy of Abraham, and I'm not, I know there's, a, there's numerous things that elapse here, and, and Lot finds himself down there in Sodom, and then there's a, as we know the story, there's a war that breaks out. Uh, I'm not going to read all the details that go with that, but we know Lot was captured and he was taken off captive. And Scripture doesn't give a whole lot of detail of any kind of relationship going on from Lot to Abraham at this point. But, you know, it's just interesting. There was a um, someone escaped from escaped from what happened there. I think scripture tells us and comes back and gives Abraham word what happened to his nephew Lot. And verse 14 uh, says here what Abraham does in Genesis 14, verse 14 says, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his house, 318 and pursued them even to Dan. It's just a blessing to me that, and I realize this was a relative, maybe it was a closer kin, but you know, when it comes to the body of Christ and there's a brother with a need or there's something like that happen, it seems that Abraham unleashed everything he had to go rescue Lot. And it's a beautiful picture. It's just a beautiful picture. And I think here again, it's noteworthy. He used all his resources and there's no evidence of Abraham having any kind of a chip on his shoulder. You know, Abraham was one that just left, let Lot make his choice and have what he want. And you know, sometimes when those kind of things happen, we can actually have a, a heart that gives our brother an advantage, but then we have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. You know, that, that, that can very easily happen, but there's no evidence of that in the life of Abraham. He goes and rescues his brother. And you know, I think it's noteworthy. In 1418, it says... After he brings Lot back, it almost seemed like there was a celebration. And I'm guessing we could ask different ones in this room who Melchizedek was and we'd get some different answers. But as I look at Hebrews 7, I think it is, it appears that Melchizedek was probably Jesus Christ himself. I'm not sure. But Abraham rescues Lot and brings Lot back. And who shows up but Melchizedek and he has bread and wine. 
And it almost seemed like it was a bit of a celebration of what happened. And, you know, I had to think, what a blessing when that kind of attitude, speaking spiritually, figuratively, permeates a fellowship. I think that's when God shows up. I think that's when God shows up, when God's people do that. May God give us a heart like that. I just thought that was noteworthy. And that's a blessing here again in the in the uh, in the life of Abraham, where that happens. And, you know, Abraham, Abraham seems to live life like that because he was a stranger, as it says in Hebrews 11, the men of faith uh, in a strange land dwelling in tents for they had they, they looked for the city whose builder and maker was God. May that be our heart. Well, one more thing I'd like to look at before we get to Genesis 22. And that is, and I already alluded to it a little bit, his wavering faith. He had some dark spots attached to his name. But you know, the beautiful thing to me and the blessing is when we read Hebrews 11, the account, there's a number of verses and then it goes on to describe a few things. Then it goes back to Abraham again and talks about him. We might get there and read them in a bit here. I'm not sure. But you know, the wavering faith elements in his life where he had those two different times, I believe, that we think of especially with Abraham, they're not recorded in Hebrews 11. They're not recorded there. And to me, that's just a blessing. We all have those marks. Sometimes we like to convince ourselves we don't, but we all have them. We all have them. They don't appear there in... in, in, uh, in uh, in uh, Hebrews 11. Well, we know one of them to be. Uh, he didn't get far after he left his homeland there and he moved out in faith. He didn't get very far and a famine came. You know, sometimes that happens in church life too, doesn't it? We have a bit of a famine. Things aren't going so well and Abraham ends up going down to Egypt because of the famine. And that's where I think, anyhow, we see his first mess up. And he did it twice where he said to Sarah, say, tell him that you're my sister. And is it not the truth when hardship comes, and I'm just speaking a little bit figuratively now, but is it not the truth that when difficulties and hardship come, hardships come or challenges come and famines come and things aren't going as well and there can be a little bit of difficulties, isn't it then when it's the most common even for God's people to want to speak half-truth. Speaking a little bit figure, that's what he did. He said, say she's my sister. We're not going to elaborate a lot on that, but Abraham actually did have that mark in his life. It's in those times when we're tempted to act in the most immature ways, when there's strain and there's stress. And God help us to move in faith and be real and be who we are. And then, of course, in chapter 16, verse 16 is when we have... Ishmael appearing and coming onto the scene. And we all know the story. We know that God promised that to Abraham that he was going to make him a great nation from his seed and from his children. And we all know, it's pretty familiar to us, I suppose, the account that happened at one point. Uh, uh, Abraham gets in a debate with God. He's wondering if it's Eliezer or one of his servants that the seed was going to spring from. And God said, no. And then we have the time, I think it was actually Sarah here that suggested that he goes into Hagar and has a child from Hagar. And we all, we all know the, uh, what happens there. Uh, Ishmael is born. And you know, his faith wavered there. Abraham's faith wavered there. And he took the situation into his own hands. And it's something that we're all uh, vulnerable to do in our Christian life rather than moving by faith and doing what is right, and yielding to God. At times, we're very tempted and sometimes take the situation into our own hands. And when we do that, there is always a sowing and reaping that happens. And you know, even today, yet the world in some ways, a lot of ways, is still being affected by the wrong choice that Abraham made. Choices have a result. Wrong choices bring wrong results. Well, we're going to move along here and just make a a little bit of reference. I don't think I'm going to do all the reading that we could. But once again, in in Genesis 17, there we have God reminding Abraham in his old age to walk before him perfectly. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thy seed. He reiterates his covenant and assures Abraham of 
the son that he's about to have. And then we could go into Genesis 18, 10 through 15. I don't think I'm going to read it for the sake of time. Uh, but that's where the uh, angel shows up or God shows up and tells Abraham that Sarah's going to have a child. And of course, we have Sarah laughing there. But yet she had, according to Hebrews 11, she had believing faith that it was going to happen. And it happened. God blessed them with Isaac. And maybe I'll just read uh, chapter 21, the first uh, number of verses there, because it so beautifully sets the stage. And I want us all to be thinking about that before we go into Hebrews, I mean, into Genesis uh, 22. That's where we want to end up and, be, and, and really allow our hearts to be motivated and inspired and encouraged and challenged by Abraham's faith. But just to somehow, uh, for it to uh, be impressed in our hearts that this was the long-awaited promised child that Abraham was looking forward to. And you know, I just to somehow bring that into our Christian life and experience. You know, we set goals in our Christian life. I think we all know what that's like, you know. We set goals and there's times where we're going on in our Christian life and it seems like, ah, finally things are coming together. Uh, no real examples are coming to my mind right now, but we know what that's like in, our, in the Christian life. Finally, things are coming together. Things are going good. And then we get broadsided by a disappointment or broadsided by uh, something happened or life just didn't come together like I expected. And then what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to that? Can we respond in faith? But here in a lot of ways, it seems like life was really coming together for Abraham in, in chapter 21. The long-awaited birth. The Lord visited Sarah. I'm going to begin reading in 21. As he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who, and she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck, for I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And I think I'm going to leave off there. Well, now we can go to Genesis chapter 22. The long-awaited promised child is here. And here's where we would like to just uh, spend some time now in chapter 22 and just consider... Just consider and let, let some of these scriptures challenge us a bit uh, as we read and ponder. And I think what I'm going to do is just kind of go down over verse to verse uh, rather than reading the entire verses and just make some comments as we go along here. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things. And I already referred to the after these things. We had that Abraham's whole journey up until now. Some, you know, some of those... Uh, various things that have happened. And here he is after these things and he has the promised child. It says that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Here comes one of Abraham's or one of the most severe life testings that I for myself can hardly wrap my brain around. I grew up in a home I was blessed with a good home. I don't want to go into details of that. But basically, I would have to say that I was fairly, uh, you know, I didn't study the scriptures and I was taught well in school and all those things. But it was a lot of things just didn't stick because I had a carnal mind and all those kind of things. But when the day came where, where God salvaged me on my downward sparrow and I began at that point really, you know, studying the scriptures and understanding the heart of God and his word, I just majorly tripped over this passage of Scripture. It took me a long time and I still don't fully comprehend and wrap my brain around what God actually asked Abraham to do. It's huge. It's huge. Now, I realize we're living in the new covenant dispensation. That was the old covenant and all of that. But what God asked him to do is huge. Life's testing. This was a huge test. Verse 2 says, He says, Take now thy son, not just thy son, but thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, 
and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. I'm going to borrow, I'm going to borrow a Lyndon Risser word. That is, this is a classic example of surrender. This is a tremendous example of surrender. Take thy son, thine only son. Was there anything closer to Abraham's heart than the promised child, Isaac? There wasn't. And you know, it's those things sometimes that are the hardest to give up. Those things that are closest to our heart. The rich young ruler, it was his wealth. To Abraham, it was Isaac, the son of promise. You know, I, I can only imagine what could have been going through Abraham's heart and mind. You know, this seems to be a circumstance out of control. You know, it would have looked to Abraham like the death of his dreams and his loves. But you know, God wants our whole heart. Is it any different with his children today? God wants everything. God is not satisfied. And are we willing to, do we really understand the claims of the gospel and the blessing that God has for his children if we're willing to give up everything? Those things that are close and dear to our heart, what might they be? What might our Isaacs be? What might it be that God is asking you and I to give up? And you know, we could talk about a lot of different things. We could talk about a lot of different things that God... And, and you know, it's not that these things are we automatically need to give it up, but I think... These are things that God wants us to put on the altar of sacrifice. You know, we all like to have, as we heard the other week, financial security. You know, God wants us to relinquish our right to all these things. Uh, we all would like the right to an easy life, would we not? God asks us to give these things up. Our love for the world. Uh, all kinds of things. But God asks Isaac to, uh, here to surrender or, or Abraham, to surrender his son Isaac. Verse 3 is such a beautiful example of obedience. It says in verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God told him. You know, I'd like to talk just a little bit of, about obedience. You know, Abraham's faith worked out such a beautiful example of obedience. Obedience against any kind of human reasoning. You know, that's one of our most natural tendencies when God asks us to do something difficult or something hard. We can usually find someone to listen to some good human reasoning to go against what we know God is asking us to do. Isn't that a natural tendency of us? Good human reasoning. You know, it's usually find someone to support an unbiblical agenda. You know, I'm working very closely. I shouldn't say I'm working very closely. I'm not actually having that much interaction with this couple right now, but it gets very close home to me in a given situation where there was a marriage covenant and there was unfaithfulness on part of one of them. And that one of those in that party got right with the Lord. There's a long journey and there's a lot of... It's more complicated than just that. But, you know, it's very, very easy. You know, and, and I'm not going to go on to describe the whole situation, but it's just a back and forth. And, you know, each one of them, I honestly believe, knows what is the right thing to do. It's a matter of doing it. And is that not what real, genuine faith is when we know what is the right thing to do? To do it, even if it pushes us outside of our comfort zone. And you know, this pushed Abraham in an amazing way outside of his comfort zone. But he was willing to do what was right. Faith. Tremendous example of faith. You know, Abraham had no idea. You know, he believed that God would provide. We'll see that later. But he moved in faith, even though he didn't know the end of the story. Everything in us wants to cry out for human reasoning rather than simple obedience. I'd like to just comment on this. You know, sometimes when it comes to doing what's right, one of our greatest enemies is procrastination. 
when we know what is the right thing to do. Am I different than anybody else? When we know what is the right thing to do, the easiest thing many times to do is put it off. And Abraham gives us a beautiful example of this. When God asked him to do this very, very hard thing in verse 3, it says he rose early in the morning and saddled his ass and went to the place which God told him. No no procrastination. We don't see any bargaining here. We see simple obedience to what God asked him to do. Verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place that God called him to afar off. Three days of laboring on this journey to go where God was asking him to go and he still had not known the outcome. This speaks of longevity. You know, sometimes it's easy when, we're, when we know that God is asking of something hard to do. We can do it for a while and then we get weary and maybe give up. But Abraham gives us a beautiful example of faith. He knew what the thing was to do. It wasn't just a couple hours journey or a day's journey. For three days he journeyed. Three rough days, we could call it. You know, sometimes we say the Christian life is hard. Abraham here gives us a beautiful example, his faith of commitment. He was committed to doing what he knew was right. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, Hebrews eleven nineteen says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know, I do realize that Abraham believed that God was able to rise him up. I I don't know all the emotion that would have been going through Abraham's mind at that point, but it, it reads there that he believed he was able to raise him up. In Abraham's mind, I think Isaac had died. Basically, he was dead. In Abraham's mind, he believed he was willing to rise him up. I'm just going to turn to it. You don't need to go there. But I'm going to turn to Romans 12, where it talks about sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I guess the challenge that comes to me and the challenge that comes to all of us, do we have our Isaacs on the altar? Do we have our Isaacs on the altar to the degree that Abraham did, that God could ask him to do this and he was willing? Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt... And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went on together. There must have been no doubt in Abraham's mind. Abraham definitely gave his children his child, Isaac, an example of moving in the fear of God. You know, I don't think there was any doubt in Isaac's mind that Abraham believed God and Abraham feared God that he was willing to go to this extreme. Chapter Verse 7 says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? We can hardly wrap our minds around the thoughts that would have been going through Abraham's mind with his son asking this question. I would paraphrase that Isaac's question a bit and say this, Dad, we don't have what it takes. It's not going to work. And Dad's response is, God will provide. Is that the kind of faith that I have? The kind of faith that I have and an example of faith to my family that God will provide? God will provide. You know, sometimes things look a bit confusing to the younger generation. May we be motivated and inspired this morning by Abraham's life to have that kind of faith, that kind of belief in God. That is the example of faith that Abraham gave to his son. He said, God will provide a lamb for the offering. So they both went on together, an example of enduring faith. Verse 9 says, And they came to the place 
which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham very carefully to the very end, and this just totally amazes me. Abraham very carefully followed the instructions that was to be done to the end. And you know, I just, in, in my mind, I can't fathom the emotion that would have been going on in Abraham's mind as he was doing this. You know, sometimes in life, we just don't understand God. Is that true? False? Sometimes in life, we get broadsided by things. Things that God seems to be asking of His children or asking of someone in a very difficult situation or things seem so hard. You know, I think one of the hardest things for somebody to live down and endure is when there is unfaithfulness in a spouse, you know, which I referred to a little bit earlier. Those kind of things in a partner. But to be willing to do what is right despite that. And Abraham gives such a beautiful example of that. He, he binds his son. And it says here in verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. His faith must have reached an incredible climax. What We, we can hardly fathom it. And there we have verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. You know, the question comes, how many times do we run ahead in unbelief rather than being faithful to the very end? Verse 12 says, And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know, these things are real tests of obedience. And you know, I am not tooting my horn this morning because of victory and the reason total victory and the reason this passage is such an encouragement to me is I wonder sometimes how many times for God's children God has a pathway he has a ram called in the thicket he knows the end and I realize this is speaking symbolically I realize all that and I'm not focusing on that this morning though I realize that's all part of Christ being the substitute and all that and the ram. I realize there's that element of it that I'm not focusing on this morning. But I'm rather focusing on Abraham's faith. On Abraham's faith. But you know, it it behooves me to wonder how many times God actually has, and God does, He has the plan. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows all of that and we don't see the ram in the thicket. And we're afraid to do what's right because we're, we, we, we just don't trust the outcome rather than totally trusting God. And to me, that is the example. And that is the message that God gives to me in this whole thing of, you know, it is safe. In fact, it's not safe any other way. It's a journey by faith in trust and believing God to do what's right. Despite our feelings. And I don't know where we find ourselves this morning as a church or where you find yourself in your personal life, if there's somebody struggling with that or not, I have no idea. But I know the human tendency of all of us and I'd just like it to be encouragement to us this morning to trust God. And it says in verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a ram caught in the thickets by its horn. And Abraham took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. In the stead of his son. Abraham's faith, as I spoke earlier, produced surrender, obedience, and commitment. Because Abraham, I believe, moved in the fear of God. Verse 14 says, And God called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. You know, I know what it's like sometimes to go through life and and I'm guessing all of us at times find ourselves there. We wonder, where is God in the circumstance that I'm in? And you know, the question that behooves me to ask as we think of that this morning, if you're wondering where God is at or you're struggling in your faith or it just seems like you pray and you can't get through to God, the question I would raise is, are we walking in obedience to what God would have us to do? Because in Jehovah Jireh, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. 
And you know, I realize there are times where we just don't feel close to God and we may examine our heart and there's nothing there where we have to move on in faith despite our feelings. But I also know there are times where we feel distant from God for a reason. And maybe it's because we're not walking in faith and in the light that God's giving us. And then we wonder where God is. And I don't know what that is, but I know... You know, there can be times where God is wanting us to move on in faith and use us in various ways and we dig in our feet. Maybe we're just, you know, and I know it's just a wide open circumstance. We all find ourselves at different places. But, you know, maybe God wants to move you on and use you in a certain area and you're resisting that and then you wonder where God is and we're not moving in the reality that God would have for us. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. A few more verses here yet that I want to look at. It says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, in verse 16, and said, <coughs> Excuse me. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. And here's where the blessing of God comes. I believe when God's children walk in faith and obedience to him, here is where the blessing comes. Are you struggling, wondering, where is the blessing of the Lord? I want to live in the reality of the blessing of God. I would suppose that's all of our hearts in this room. In fact, if you don't want the blessing of God in your life, I would wonder what's wrong. We all want the blessing of God and this is where the blessing of God comes and that's a promise. And I realize the blessing to Abraham, there was a lot hinging on that. It was Christ, it was the Messiah, it was, it was all of that. I realize that and I'm not focusing primarily on that this morning, but if we really want the blessing of God this morning, it is walking in faith and obedience. In verse 17, he says that in blessing, I will bless thee in multiplying. I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand, which is the sea, upon the seashore and thy seed shall be possessed the gate of his enemies. Verse 18. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice, walking in obedience by faith. And God pronounced this blessing. So in wrapping things up here this morning, I'd like to just all of us ask the question ourselves in our own minds and hearts. What are my Isaacs? What are my Isaacs that God is possibly asking me to give up? Maybe it's my reputation. Maybe there's things in my heart that I know need to come out and I'd rather keep them buried down there because of what it'll do to my reputation. That could be our Isaac. That could be our Isaac. It could be a love for the world. And we don't want to take the lid off. We're nurturing our Isaac. Maybe we're struggling against parental authority. I just wrote a few things down. Reputation, pride. Maybe it's financial security. You know, it could be a lot of things like that where God is wanting us to move out and walk in obedience and, and experience the blessing. God wants us to give those things up. You know, God is a good God. He's not going to come to us and just take those things away. God is a good God. The things that he asked to give us up, he wants us to give up out of our love for him and obedience and walking in faith. You know, one day it will be our biography written. And what will it be? Will we live and have a journey of faith? A journey of faith, even through those times where possibly God doesn't make sense and God asks us to do difficult things. Will we walk in faith? and an obedience to God. And I, I know I spoke of it, but just to reiterate a little bit, and I know that many times it's the experience, I think especially of young Christians and even as older ones, it can happen. But you know, Abraham had some of those failures and some of those marks. But Abraham continued and lived by faith. And may we be encouraged to do the same. And we be encouraged to do the same. So I trust some of those thoughts from the life of Abraham, from his faith and his willingness. Uh, may it encourage you like it encouraged me. God bless you.